0: Hello, and welcome to Getting It.
1: The conversation where we try to understand life just that little bit more. My name's Dan. And my name is
0: Sabal. And we're both medical students based in London.
1: And in this episode, we're joined by Jerry, a medical student with a master's in neuroscience who also has a special interest in art. In today's episode, we discuss the universal nature of art, how it affects us, and art's position in different cultures.
0: Good evening. Hello, uh, uh... Hello, Savan. Hello, Dan. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. And um, We have to ask it for a third time. <laughs> hello, good Jerry. Evening. Good evening, Jerry.
2: Uh, hello. I guess you guys didn't forget about me. <laughs> thank you for that.
0: Uh, you're very welcome. So um, today on this podcast, uh, we have a special guest. Uh, we have mm. a good friend of ours, Jerry, and he's here to talk to us for the next hour about... Uh, very interesting topic. So um, before we continue, do you mind just telling us a, a bit about you, Jerry?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Jerry, just like in Tom and Jerry. And, and I am an art lover.
1: Okay. And oh, wow. <laughs> that, was, that was straight <laughs> to the point. I, re- I respect
0: that. I remember yeah. back to um, Thomas's... Uh, episode a few uh, a few episodes ago, and um, his introduction was very interesting. So I like your method as well. Um, in <laughs> terms of a bit of a background about you, um, do you mind sharing that as well?
2: Yeah, sure. So you know, I love art. I do a bit too, and um, especially visual art like painting, drawing. I've taken part in a few small exhibitions in London too. I want to do a bit more. And well, actually, I'm actually a medical student, and just like Dan. Mm, we study okay. together. And okay. um, I also did a master's in neuroscience last year cuz yeah just i have a special interest in the brain i'm interested in psychiatry neuroscience all of that i don't want to do just one i want to do lots of different kinds of stuff and that's quite a fundamental part of my identity actually i like seeing the world in different perspectives i want to do that and just like you know those kaleidoscopes you look through as a kid and there's so many colors out there And for me, it would be such a shame if we only look at a few of them, even if, you know, some of the colors might be really ugly, like Mm. poo colored or something. (laughs) Um, So um, I guess that would be kind of the theme of today. Not kaleidoscopes or nasty colors, but different perspectives. I'll talk about a few of my favorite, but also interconnected ideas of, you know, what art really is, what it's for. And I'll let Dan, Saban and you guys uh, think about it a bit, too. And I think whether you're a complete stranger to art or kind of an amateur enthusiast like me um, or an artiste in the flesh, there will be something for you to take away here
0: and I think um, I'm quite looking forward to this episode personally <laughs> because I've known Jerry for a very long time um, at uni now, and it's something that Jerry's very passionate about and as a result I've seen uh, he's always been showing me art pieces or I've gone to some galleries sometimes and I see. How much meaning people can take from it and for me it sounds silly but it's something i'm almost a bit intimidated to talk about sometimes because it, yeah i don't know if you if you don't know anything about it it can seem a bit confusing or at least that's how i found it because yeah i don't know what people are taking away from uh, a certain piece of art so yeah that's what i'd like to kind of figure out today is a bit more about what to do when i look at a piece of art or understand why people spend their whole lives making art and what do people get from that why does it influence so many different cultures across the world and how, how they all express themselves so differently through it. So yeah, um, I don't know, Saban, do you have much experience with art? N-
1: not really, or at least what most people kind of think about when you say the word art, you know, say classical paintings, that kind of stuff, are more in the realm of, or at least more experienced in, you know, digital type of art, photography, videography, animation, that kind of stuff. So mm. Whenever it's come to the more traditional arts, I've always been a bit like, I don't really get it, or I don't really find it that interesting or that nice or anything. And for me, I always thought it was just for me in art in general. But then I realized, no, I really do like photography. And, you know, in certain mm-hmm. parts, I can find it really deep. But I've never had that same kind of connection with the more, you know, classical uh, side of art. So I, I think this will be quite interesting because obviously there's a lot of overlap, I guess. In terms of you know why people do it, what you kind of gain from it, and why you know you would go about doing a certain like photograph something in one way compared to the other, or you know make a video in one way compared to the other, and everything so yeah I, I guess that's kind of my experience one thing I do want to mention I think what really changed my experience about art because before I was thought was like now nah, art just really isn't my thing, and that was at the time when I was really obsessed about you know photography, but then Uh, Especially street photography, but then I I was watching some dude talking about it, and he said, um, "What you capture in street photography is more a reflection of yourself rather than the people you're capturing and that environment you're in." Mm, And then I started looking at my photos, and I was like, "Huh, okay, yeah," and then. You know i'm starting uh, i'm going through trying to capture these certain things or certain things within the environment in a particular way or changing the perspective so it looks like that person is doing something else compared to what they are actually doing so that is actually showing more of a reflection on myself or what i want to want the viewer of that photo to see so and then at that point i was like oh okay maybe i am kind of into this art thing overall so i guess that's my kind of experience with it overall
2: Hmm. yeah it's like a form of projection isn't it um It's kind of, um, whenever you take a photo, there's always a bit of your own narrative in it. You can never capture an objective moment visually. Um, The angle you're doing it in, the lighting it's in, um, how close it is to their face, for example. Yeah, you're always putting a part of yourself in it. And that's one of the definitions for art, I'd say. Okay, um, I think it'd be fun to start today with a question that everyone dreads being asked. um, But I quite like asking. So guys, what do you think art is?
0: Okay, so... um it's definitely a question that I don't really know how to answer it, but if, I, if I'm being forced to, then I would say it's a way that you can express yourself, whether that be an emotion or telling a story, and I don't think it has to just be um, a painting or a sketch, it can be music, it can be singing, it can be sound, I don't know, it, yeah, just a way to express yourself uh, and ex- uh, tell something about yourself or tell a story, that's how it appears to me. What about you, Saban?
1: Uh, good question. (laughs) I don't know, to give it like a singular definition, is that even possible? I guess it's some kind of supra-real visualization or expression of something within the real world. Okay,
2: that's interesting. Um, So the answer is you're both... Correct? There's oh, no right answer. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes marks to both of you. I knew it. There's okay. very many definitions. And um, yeah, I want to preface this first. Uh, um, I don't actually have a proper answer to what art is, you know, in case you thought I did. Um, if I did have a right answer, I'd definitely be on a bigger talk show. Um, okay. Like <laughs> Not in, offended. In James Corden's <laughs> backseat or something, you know. Okay. Um, actually, I actually don't really like that show, but yeah. Um, no, this is meant to be kind of exploring and discussing some of the ideas out there. Like what you said about self-expressing and what Saban said about, you know, turning... The reality around us and kind of and putting that and and visualizing it so these are two definitions of the many there are and i'm just going to be i'm talking about some that i particularly connect with and just some yeah some out there okay so first of all i think um dan you kind of mentioned that you know when you go to an art gallery you might feel like you know when i'm not really sure what to get from this painting it feels like maybe someone people other people know so it's a bit awkward to ask or something and that you know maybe not everyone get art. Well, I, um, I in some ways disagree with that in a sense that I feel like art is actually a very universal concept. I don't think it's that only some people can get it or that it requires a certain background to get it. And I'll give a few reasons why I think it's so universal. Um, first of all, um, I'm asking lots of questions, but here's one more. And um, have you guys, even when you were young or when you're now, have you ever put your hand on da- down onto a piece of paper and kind of traced around it?
0: Yes, I have, I remember yep. doing it, yeah.
2: Yeah, it's quite a natural thing, isn't it? You just take a pencil and kind of, you've got your hand, you've got the paper, and you just kind of want to do that. Well, um, we've been doing it for a very long time, for thousands and thousands of years. There are these incredible caveman paintings from all over at least 10,000 years old. There's the um, Petakara Cave in Indonesia, there's um, Lascaux Cave in France, Cueva de las Manos in Argentina, and countless more. These caves littered all around the world, created tens, twenties, thirties of thousands of years ago by our ancestors, and they all contain paintings. And interestingly, all these paintings that are thousands of miles away from each other, um, there's no way they could have you know, mm. communicated with mm. each other. They're almost all on the same topics, the paintings. They're almost always animals that these people live with or hunted and their hands you see, on, it's really amazing to see. Um, I'll show you one of the photos here. So this is in the, the Argentinian cave, the Cueva de las Manos. And you can see there's, you know, there's 30, 40, 50 people or something putting their hand on the wall and imprinted there. And what I find so amazing about it is that, you know, it wasn't necessary for them to do that. Mm. I mean, as you can imagine, yeah. um, living in the, on earth thousands of years ago, it's not an easy life, you know. You have to spend all day foraging for food, hunting, gathering things, and sharpening tools, preparing fires. It's hard to live, but despite that, they took, yeah. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> despite that, they took countless hours out. They crushed minerals to form pigments, and then they painted these incredibly detailed paintings. So this is just a hand stuff. There's also things like buffalos, or reindeers. And, you know, some of the paintings on these walls are, like, four metres high up. Mm -hmm. So they had to build scaffolding and such. Um,
0: And something I want to know about this, I'm not sure if you could mm -hmm. possibly know the answer, but um, in terms of the intention behind doing something like that piece of art, do you think um, that there was probably no reason for doing it or do you think they were trying to... Um, record something if that makes sense like um, yes. like a census almost or something no, like that.
2: I know what you mean yes um, and that's something you know scholars have debated a lot about obviously we have no real way of knowing why these why our ancestors tens of thousands of years ago did all of these paintings there are some ideas um, one they think it might be a hunting ritual like before you go hunting you like you like um, draw your target or such like that give you a way of testing out these pigments that the handprints but um, many of them including me I think it's something to do with kind of leaving your mark, you know, kind of showing that you were there. And you know, it's um, like we said before, it's such a natural thing, um, seeing your hand and having a way of recording it and just recording it. And that's you, that's your hand. Um, yeah, so at least the way I choose to interpret it is kind of their way of, of proving that we were there, you know, this was us. And it came, it's clearly innate to them and us. Um, yeah,
0: and, and those were the, the hand one um, You mentioned mm-hmm. that they often do animals Or mm-hmm. do a, a, a human body um, Are there any examples of like a sort of complex artwork in, in a cave or something I don't know if that's a silly question But um, was it almost always something like a human figure or an animal Or was it ever like a concept that, that you, you think that, that they would try and draw If that makes sense
2: mm, Yeah I think I know what you mean You're asking whether you know what they did was just recording things they saw around them. Yeah. Or they tried to express things in it. Like, like um, do an
0: imaginary animal or something like right, that.
2: Right, right. Well again, like I said, you know, we don't ever know, we can never know the intention behind why they do it. It could very well be that um the way they drew the animals, the people, it was to show a certain emotion. Um, for, or for example, we don't know the intention behind the hand marks. It could be to show, you know, isolation, it could be showed togetherness. We don't really know, but in terms of really abstract things, you know, like strange shapes, to my knowledge, I don't really know anyth- of anything like that. But that's a very interesting question. Um, so, you know, this concept of a universality of art and kind of how it being innate to us and how it might be a way for us to leave our mark, that actually ties into the way that I got into art in the first place. I thought it could be a fun story to tell. So for the longest time until I was about 16, 17, I've never really cared too much about art. Um, I mean, I-, I just thought it was kind of like, just like pretty things and like I thought I wasn't very good at it. I never went to art class or anything like that. Um, But that really all changed with one experience. And it was when I went to Vienna um, with my then girlfriend. I went to a museum called the Leopold Museum. I didn't really know much about what was going to happen, what I was going to see, you know, just kind of like a thing to do on holiday. The Leopold Museum is quite special. It has one floor dedicated to just one artist. And each room is kind of an a different phase of the artist's life, from when they were young and the works they did then and a bit about their life, then when they were older, the relevant works they did, and then until their death. The artist was Egon Schiller. And, you know, um, also I got a bunch of the photos of the paintings there. And I'm going to show you guys three photos that really connected with me, um, three paintings.
0: And these will be in the show notes as well.
2: <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to show you guys what it was like and um, what experience I went through. The first painting is, you see that painting of a boat. It's just quite—it's um, got quite like quite of a um, like a city scene, you know, like a boat. It's quite expressionistic. It was in 1907 when the artist was about um, 17 years old when he painted this. You can see it's very beautiful, but um, it's not really—it's not really saying anything, if that makes sense. It was just him kind of doing art, and he was very good at it's it.
0: Like an observation.
2: Exactly, his way of observing and what he saw—that boat and that and that river—and this was him three years later when he was 20. A self-portrait of arm twisting above his oh, head it's a lot like, and yeah. you see how different it is um, mm. this is him when he was 20 and this is around the most productive period of his time and this is the time when he became really obsessed with his own body and sex and um, mm. you can see the way he chose to paint himself this is how he sees himself he's clearly tortured, the limbs are elongated they're like knobbly and, and the expression um, yeah. you can see how much change has happened to his person between those two paintings
0: so this is three years later? This
2: is three years later, yes.
0: And, and the, in the first period, um, in the first one in 1907, around that time, was he mainly doing landscapes? and? Yes, he was. Okay. Yes.
2: So this was quite recent. So around that time, he started doing lots of really haunting portraits. You see, it's a very unique style. It's so him. And
0: unique. did you know anything about Egon Sheila before going in?
2: I knew absolutely nothing about him. Never heard Whoa. of him. And Whoa. when I was working, I thought he had a cool name. But, you know, I was, I was just struck by these paintings and just because... You know, I guess when you read a book, when you hear a story, you can learn about someone's life. But here I was seeing it. Mm. Um, It's a very different experience altogether. And the last one, this one is The Embrace. As you can see, it's a very romantic painting. It's him embracing his wife, who he loved very much. And um, you can see there's even though it's people, like the second painting. Now, this is in 1917. That's one year before his death, when he was about 27 years old. And here you see not really any of that torturedness we see in the last painting even though it was still people, it's so um, kind of, for lack of a better word, like whole. Um, mm. It's him and his wife uniting as one and it's such a touching mm. embrace. And that's him then, seven years after that second painting. Mm.
0: Yeah. And he, he's, his body is, the proportions and everything are completely different. He looks like completely strong.
2: So this is how he saw himself then, you know, he's protecting um, the woman he loves, yeah. he's whole. He's not like thin and elongated.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I see what you mean. And this was all chronological, right? So you were going exactly. through the museum and you'd exactly, you never yes. heard of him before and every room you're going into is a new year, mm-hmm. a new part of his life. And did, um, again, this is probably a silly question, but did each painting have a little explanation by it that you were reading? Yeah, or I did. Yeah. Okay, so you were able to actually understand what part of his life he was in at mm. each point. And
2: inside each room, there was a big paragraph about what he was going through during okay. that year and such.
0: And
1: was that like an autobiography kind of thing, like from him or f- someone's interpretation of it? Or? Oh, you mean the writing on the side? Yeah.
2: Yes, um, I guess it's a combination. It, it will just be kind of like analysis of it. And also um, um, if there is any background, you know, if he has said why he painted it, he'd has it as well. Also it would be about like, you know, who's in a painting, um, etc. And yeah, so for me, that experience was, it just hit somewhere really deep. You know, I've never saw art as anything more than something pretty, or kind of um, something I didn't really get, um, something that wasn't useful even. But walking through these rooms, and yeah, I was just seeing, I was experiencing this person's life and what it was like to be them, and and just and some parts I related with, and. It's very powerful.
0: And um, this, um, again, I'm, I'm going to stop prefacing it with this might be a silly question, but... Um, <laughs>
2: there's no silly questions when it comes to art.
0: Okay, so this is a safe space. So um, yes. um, what made Egon Schiele so good? I know it's just one artist you're trying to show us, but what mm. made him so good?
2: Well, yeah, that's quite a subjective question, but there's no doubt his work is still very powerful today. Um, for me, oh, there's a few reasons. One, visually, it's, so, it's very arresting, it's very unique. Mm. You know, from the second painting, you can tell um, I've never really seen art like that, you know, the way he drew himself, how the proportions, the shape, um, it was so bare and basically no artist's um, paintings look like that. So that's one reason he stands out so much. Out of the millions and millions of artists that have ever painted or um, drawn or scribbled, sketched, whatever, um, he his stands out. If I see a painting of him, I know it's him.
0: Because... Um I'm just relating it to classical music and I can, I can say that a certain um, composer is really good for two different reasons. I could say one they were good for their technique and that they, ch- they changed how music is played mm-hmm. um, and they brought something new to the world of music um, or I I might love them because I love how they make me feel and how they express themselves. And they may not be as impressive as a musician, but I love the stories they tell. And I'm wondering, does does that sort of apply in the same way to this sort Mm. of circumstance?
2: I agree. I was just getting to it. So obviously his stuff is very unique, but that's not all there is to being a good artist. Like I could do something really weird. I I don't know, (laughs) Um, just really strange, but that wouldn't necessarily make me a good artist or someone worth remembering. So what I find so special about him is... um, so a lot some art especially with him um, let me think of how to phrase it and maybe edit this bit out when i'm (laughs) thinking about it um hmm. so you mentioned the feeling you get when you listen to that song and you like it yeah i think the feeling one gets when they look at their paintings it's something quite different as well um so he's made thousands and thousands of self-portraits he's obsessed with his own image and, you know, the way he depicts himself, it's not glamorous in the slightest. He doesn't make himself look handsome or, you know, powerful or anything like that. It's so, it's so raw. It's real. Mm. It's what he sees mm. in him. And often they're naked. It's completely vulnerable. Mm. So personal. Yes. And and he has a, like I mentioned, he's a very obsessive person. So his, his main muse was himself. But his second was woman. He loved women. And he would paint all different kinds of women, also in, um, often in um, compromising positions or nude, and in very specific ways, and you know, the way he sees them. And that kind of obsession, being laid bare, and yeah, it's hard to put into words, but I think there really is just no one like him.
0: Mm. Is he, do you mind me asking if he's one of your favourites, or?
2: Yes, he definitely is. Okay. Um, and a big reason is, you know, how much he influenced later on. Okay. How?
0: And is, is there a particular style that um, of art that he produces? Is, is there a name for that? Because you mentioned it's quite unique. Is there a yeah. name for that type of art?
2: Well, it's it's um, um, it's not too easily boxed, but some would say he's expressionism. Um, mm. So that means kind of art that's about capturing, not necessarily um, you know what you see, and and representational, but capturing a concept or mm. a feeling. Now, I thought he was very good at doing that. So, yeah, um, also, I don't want to talk just about Egon Schiller, even though I love him so much. Mm -hmm. Um, So,
1: yeah, anything
2: you feel about um,
1: seeing his paintings, Saban? You see, so this is the kind of stuff I'd, you know, maybe see in the museum or just see people talking about Mm -hmm. when they refer to art. And for me personally, it's just something I've never really seen much you know just much substance in it for me in terms of the fact Mm -hmm. that i guess well i didn't create it so i don't know where they were coming from i understand where you were coming from with um the these series of paintings and i guess the way that museum was structured in the fact that it was was all one person so you could see the progression so i think that has a lot more meaning to it and I, i can definitely see it in in these three images that you in these three paintings you showed but in general if i was just to see one of them just straight up i just wouldn't know what to think i'm like okay that's interesting and i guess i have the same thing with photography or video as well but for some reason i just have a lot more appreciation for it i don't know why because i guess mm. technically speaking it's probably easier uh, sorry it's probably harder to paint something like this um but whereas you know say with photo uh, uh so, sorry say with photography i guess you're taking a camera and you're just hitting a button and then you capture that one obviously there's a lot of skill in terms of composition lighting and everything but you know having to do each stroke by hand is a very different matter in terms of technicality i guess but yeah so i I can appreciate that side of it especially there are some artists who do you know those really hyper realistic paintings and stuff either portraits or just of objects and i'll just look at that and i'm like wow that's so like the the Mm -hmm. amount of skill they have and i would be that um, that's yeah.
2: actually my, my least favorite kind of art probably the ones that are very hyper-realistic and the reason is um, I mean if I want to see exactly what something is like I just take a photo of it probably um, something that's hyper-realistic I feel like often it doesn't it doesn't tell me anything um, I think for me a good art is meant to um, um, it's not just it shouldn't just be a recording of a thing it should be you know there should be something infused into it but oh, sorry i interrupted
0: you i was just gonna can i interject a, a second <laughs> time um with the joke it's just i can imagine um when cameras came out i bet the hyper realistic artists was scared <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, 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 oh we're coming we, our job is disappearing <laughs> like, anyway, yeah, taken by sorry. ai
1: basically <laughs> um yeah so yeah I, I understand there's not really much to it but what i really what i can appreciate is the absolute skill required in it and the attention to detail and obviously it's the same kind of skill set you know applied in a different way with these more say expressionistic kind of drawings but because i'm not the one directly expressing it for some reason i just find it really difficult to relate to it which is why i probably never really appreciated it but say with Mm -hmm. something with like photography and you know you can get pretty abstract say street photography style photos for some reason i can still relate to it and still kind of appreciate it in, you know in the more expressionistic kind of way because i've I mean, I don't know why. I guess one of the reasons why is because I can, you know, kind of encapsulate or, you know, imagine in my head the process behind taking it, what they went through to create that photo or say the kind of environment they were in. Why I don't really get that with paintings and stuff, I don't know. But I can definitely, I, I like how you went through the progression because I definitely gained a lot more from that. Whereas if I was just to see a singular one in isolation, I'd probably be, like, oh, okay, nice.
2: Mm, that's fair. Right. Yeah, I guess how you want to approach art, and it's kind of like a spectrum. On one end, it's just you. It's just it's just how it makes you feel. It's just how um, you project your own feelings and what you think of things onto it. And on the other end, when it's solely what the artist intended, it's solely what's on there. And then... Um, hmm, let me think of... Let's say, this is not really related, but something else I thought of is and um, so there's a quote about art that I quite like. And I think kind of relates to this conversation. It's it's that um art is not a thing, it is a way. So it's kind of a medium of of expressing and you know, and kind of and, and um and yeah, expressing our emotion, expressing concepts. But it's not the end and be all. There's ways like photography, there's ways like music. and and I don't necessarily think these are um, mutually exclusive from each other, I think the way you when you Sabon, when you see uh, a photo that you really relate with that really that really hits you I don't think that process is separate from um, if another person sees art and they really relate with it and they really um, really hits them. I think it's kind of you know because at the end of the day they they're a visual stimulation and that's that's um that someone another person. Has created or manufactured, and it's causing a change inside our brains. Mm. Um, that brings me to another thing I wanted to talk about. Um, visual art, in particular, I think, is actually very special. So, obviously, when you talk about art, it can mean kind of painting, it can mean music, it can mean so many different kinds of things. But for me, I think a reason that visual art is so powerful, so, this isn't just my opinion. It's an anatomy of the brain. So, you know, the cerebral cortex in the brain, it's kind of like the main part of, you know, that defines us who we are, how we perceive the world, how we think. So the main part of our brain, you know, there's like the front bit, the frontal lobes, and there's like the parietal, temporal, there's occipital, there's four main parts. And one whole part of it is dedicated to just vision, the occipital part at the back. So of the entire cerebral cortex, about 20% is just for vision and interpreting it. And if you also count the areas that integrate visual information, so for example, combining visual and touch, like hand-eye coordination, or combining vision and emotion together, if you count all of these together, that takes up over half of our brain, about 60%. So we're so wired to interpret images, to process them, to perceive them, to draw conclusions from them. That's part of why I think, you know, visual art is something that can be innate, to us we're literally wired to do it and primates who have brains like us like monkeys and and they, they can paint as well it's quite it's quite funny mm. and, and they learn they get they get better at painting wow they're better at containing the paint on the paper they're better at mixing colors that look good together
0: i saw an elephant painting on facebook recently yeah. i don't know if, <laughs> i know they're not like monkeys but <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah well elephants actually many of them have more neurons than we do and um, yeah they also have a cerebral cortex and such um,
0: so in the cerebral cortex, so you're saying that mm-hmm. um, we're kind of wired to take in so much visual information that if we can see, our, we can take so much from it, like it comes naturally to us.
2: Yeah, and there's no, there's no, it's not even an if, it's just a fact. Um, our brain is wired to process and understand and draw conclusions from visual information. Mm. For all the time, um, oh, for as long as um, Homo sapiens have been around, So Saban, when you're kind of, um, when you take photos, when you look at photos, so that process happening in your brain where you're processing it, appreciating it, you know, that's wired in you. And it's a similar process with paintings. But I guess um, then it just comes to kind of taste about what you prefer and that's shaped by your environment.
0: I think something that I would really like to get more from art, and for me it's a a matter of exposure because I haven't seen much art, so I don't know enough about it, I haven't... um, had enough experience to know which artists I like for example what I really like with music is if I listen to a composer where I really identify with an emotion that I think they're trying to express and I share that feeling that they're making in their music I really I, I just, it just really resonates with me. I wonder, I'm sure that that must happen as well in art, like a perception of a person when you're in love or when you're really angry and how it changes how you see them. And you can express that in art, but you can't do that when you're taking a photo. That seems like to me something that you can achieve with art, which is quite unique. I think you can achieve it with music as well, but with art, it's so um, in your face. like. If, if it's about perception of someone who you're in love with, um, in music you can tell that story, but you need a bit of context. But I can imagine how in art you're seeing the person, even if you don't know um, anything behind it, you can see what they're trying to express because there's so much information to take in. So I can imagine that's really nice.
2: Yes, definitely. And um, so trying to separate music with visual art, and um, it's it's a um, it's like um, it's, it's a false endeavor in, in some ways because you know the basic concept is the same. It's um Modes of you know expression or modes of um, of yeah, modes of expression, and the big difference is the, is the type of stimuli you're using, the the sense that're that you're, that you're um, expressing it through. one is through um, hearing of course, and the other is through vision. Um, but the basic concept, like you said, um, you know when you hear a song that you feel like, "Oh, this is so me, I relate to it, understand it. That's the same as in art. And I noticed you mentioned, you know, um, um, you said what you want from art, um, and that's quite an interesting concept as well. Because, you know, so art is pretty universal, and some people we sometimes use it to make a mark, to 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 prove our existence in a way. But is it actually useful in an everyday sense? That's something mm. a lot of people ask. That's something um, you know. That's when I was younger thought as well. You know, like art isn't very useful. It, it doesn't it doesn't um, nourish me. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't physically mm. change my life. But you know, um, in some ways, I think it actually really does. Um, everything you see has been so. Everything you see that's man-made has been specifically designed um, um, with visual parameters in mind. And um, even back, I'm going back to the, the cavemen again, <laughs> the, the ancestors, because I think, you know, I think this really um, helps show a point that even though our world is so much different to theirs some uh, Finding common ground between us, it shows that whether something is truly universal or not. But anyway, um, so a lot of um, kind of tools such as hunting tools or kind of stones um, that um, we find from, um, from fossils that our ancestors used as tools for foraging, for hunting. We can find that, you know, because they shape them, they don't just pick up a rock and use it. They will try to make a rock sharper, Rock sharper. they will try to kind of um, make it a certain shape to make certain actions more easily. Oftentimes we find out these tours that they fashioned, they're often symmetrical, and in quite an aesthetic shape. And there's also research done into it why they do it like that. And there's no practical reason. Mm, um, mm. there's no reason for you know um, a, a sharp thing used to used to kill used to kill a bear for it to be symmetrical. There's no reason for that. They spent the extra time, and the um, the effort into it just because they thought it looked nice. It was aesthetic. Mm. And and really aesthetic. It's actually a big part of how we, how we even survive in this world. Um, being able to see patterns visually, for example, seeing um, 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 seeing whether a plant, because often when you see a plant with a symmetrical knot can tell you whether it's okay to eat, for example, or um, if you're in a partner, if their face is quite symmetrical, that can be an indicator of them being, having not like, good genes and being able to um, produce healthy offspring. Just in so many things, aesthetic comes into it. So it's natural to us to seek out or create a um, good aesthetic. And this thing studies shown that um aesthetic surroundings and it can actually improve our cognitive function and our mood. And um also by the way, when I see the scientific stuff I can like send you guys the papers afterwards if you want mm, to put we'll in the show it. notes. Yeah. yeah. It's not just my opinion. <laughs> yeah.
0: There are scientific studies that have been done by myself. <laughs> by my, me, yes. <laughs> yeah. um,
2: um, yeah, I know. so, so obviously um, we're all medics, so I'll give it a medical example. Um, in Wales recently, there was a study done on kind of patient um, healing times, pa- times it takes for a patient to be well enough to leave a ward um, in kind of older wards and hospitals versus newer, newly refurbished wards, and everything else equal. The wards and hospitals that were more aesthetic, had more paintings on there, et cetera, more nicely designed, um, patients often took less time to heal and, and leave it. And um, just things like that and it's kind of it's almost healing
0: just like um, how it makes you feel like it's satisfying and it's more yeah, exactly. calming yeah and that can be a direct impact on your daily life it
2: can be a direct impact even if you don't notice it and many times you will notice it such as um, if, a, if a road sign is well designed or if um, yeah things like that and um, just building on to what I said about the aesthetic making us feel nice so um, there's, there's a few other studies I'll quote one more there's one study that kind of um, Measured um, skin responses of of people responding to seeing buildings that are either like um really kind of um what's the word you know those old concrete buildings that mm-hmm. just came up a um, hundred at a time back when when all the countries were poor so we built it to house people mm-hmm. when they looked at that compared to when they looked at really nicely designed newer buildings and when people looked at these older buildings that were less aesthetic that um had a lot less detail to them they were more anxious. You can mm. see by their skin response, by their heart rate response. And, you know, as you know, um, anx- anxiety over a long term is bad for your heart. It's bad for your brain. It's very interesting.
0: But then, so why is there so much art that is designed to make you feel uncomfortable as well?
2: That's a really good question, and um, and the answer is because um, art isn't monolithic, and um, it's not just have to, doesn't just have to be beautiful. Just and I mainly talked about kind of beauty and aesthetics, but art doesn't equate. Um, good aesthetics necessarily. It doesn't have to be symmetrical. It doesn't have to be um, nice forms or good penmanship. It doesn't have to be that. Um, So someone that can find disturbing art can enjoy it. Um, It could be someone who relates to it. You know, someone who um, is also disturbed in themselves, but seeing disturbed art that they can relate with can make them feel less alone. It can make them feel like someone else understands it it as well.
0: And then... um if if we're talking about how art makes someone else feel, if mm-hmm. you, I'm imagining if I were an incredible artist, um, uh, would I be, do you think it's better for an artist to be worried about how it's going to affect the audience or do you think artists, the great artists, do it for themselves and they don't think about how the audience is going to interpret it? Because I've always thought, again, relating it back to music, that the best musicians are the ones who are, are making that music for themselves. They're not doing it with the aim of anyone else in, involved in that.
2: Mm, that's a really good question. And I think, in general, um, it is often that, if you look at the famous artists, um, let's take the, um, uh, Van Gogh, for example. You know, he's probably um, one of the, if not the most prominent artists today, as in um, the most celebrated. And his art was completely for himself. He loved painting, he loved nothing else but painting. He was a very disturbed man, as you probably know, um, loss of mental disorder and um, hardship, to go to an asylum, um, fell on poor times. But art just kept him going. For him, art was his life. He thought he was put on this world to create art. Um, so I think if you, often, if you look at the stories behind great artists, you'll find that often it is kind of from themselves, for themselves. But at the same time, I don't think, again, I don't think these things are mutually exclusive. Just because the art comes from yourself and is for you doesn't mean it can't also be for other people mm. or um, you can't think of others when you're creating it.
0: I think so, that's the beautiful thing about output, that you are sharing it with other people, regardless of mm-hmm. whether you want to be doing that. You know, you're, you're making, you can make something for yourself and still share it with everyone else. I, I really like that. And then, sorry, you, you continue. Sorry.
2: Yes, exactly. Um, and I think, I think it's, not a, it's not a straight line. It's not from artist to viewer. It's not like that. I think, I think it's a cycle with lots of circles within it. Because the artist, um, where he gets, you know, um, kind of the emotions or the experience he has to create the art... That comes from other people. That comes from the culture he lived in. That comes from the events that happened to him, which came from other people. And then he transfers that into art, and then that goes back in as well, and that affects other people's experience. So you shouldn't think, ever think of it as like like a straight line from one person to another. Mm-hmm. No, it's a constantly going around and around and around.
0: And then how about... Um, okay, this is this is actually really interesting. Um, I've got a, a few questions. You love prefacing. Well, uh, you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm prefacing everything. Um, so... Sometimes uh, I get into a debate with someone about whether they want to, um, with music. You know, some people don't like to know anything about the band, and they don't like to know anything about what the song's really about because mm-hmm. they want to interpret it themselves. Um, and even if that's nothing to do with what the song's about, that's they they attach a meaning to that song that the artist didn't intend, but it's, uh, the the composer or the songwriter didn't intend. With art as well. Um, I can imagine there's always a context behind why they did a piece of artwork do you sometimes like not knowing why an artist painted something and you get your own meaning from it which is probably very different to why the artist produced it but it's you've taken it on for yourself now it means something personal to you and you don't want to know what it's about do you think context is always important when you look at art or do you avoid it sometimes
2: well again um, there's like a spectrum like i mentioned before on one side is solely your um, interpretation of it and on the other side is the artist's intention behind it. And so many things can affect when you see a piece where on that spectrum you are. It could be the type of artist, for example, if the art is very um, photorealistic, for example, then there's probably not too much of yourself, of your interpretation you can put into it. Um, Then in that case, it's almost solely what the artist intended. But if something is very abstract, like a Rothko, or a, um, a, yeah, or a, what's his name again? Or a Pollock. So in those cases, it's almost completely just you. Because there's just swathes of colour or dots, and you put yourself into it. It's kind of like a, well, not a blank canvas, but something like that, as in um, there's something there for you to infuse yourself into. And so there's definitely some cases where it's easier for you to do one or the other. Um, But I think if you try to only do it one way, um, I think you'll be losing out. Because if you, only, if you look at any piece of art and you only think about what the author intended, if you only look at um, kind of their circumstance and why they did it, and um, then, you know, you're missing out on a potential greater connection between you and that. Um, it's like, for example, when you love a person, um, you're not just, um, well, we're getting on to love now, but I feel like <laughs> with true love, um, it's big topics. It's not just what you like in a person you know it's not just i don't know um the way their faces or the things they do often what you love is what's between you kind of um, mm. how they make you feel or your connection how you interact with each other mm. and so i think that applies maybe not as much of art but definitely to a really large extent in that you know by just focusing on one side of it you're losing out on the other part and same goes the other way if it's only just your interpretation of it then you're missing out so much too you know um yeah, and it works, it works both ways.
0: That is amazing. It's amazing how you can just spend your whole life making art and telling a story about yourself, and then you can have a, a, pers- a parallel person doing the exact same thing about their life, and the two, the ways they express themselves, are completely different. That's so fast. Like what you're saying about um, Jackson Pollock, and then you've got someone who does very realistic art, and they both might be telling a similar event like love completely differently. That exactly. is really fascinating.
2: Yeah, but- if you ask Schiller to draw art, it would be so different. So, for example, if you ask maybe Da Vinci to draw art.
0: Wow, um, yeah. Completely different. And the, the, their techniques and everything must just be completely different, the way they interpret it. That's really cool. Uh, uh, you need to send me like a, like a big Google Drive of just some really good uh, <laughs> artists.
2: Yeah, sure, I could do that. Um,
0: oh, and there's one other question before we go to the next topic. Okay. <clears throat> um, so art is very universal, right? Like it's, it's it, all around the world. There yes, all around the world and everywhere. all through the time. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you think, from your understanding, there are any cultures which rely on art more than other cultures, or certain religions which um, rely on art, and it means it's a bigger part of their culture than other parts of the world?
2: Hm, mm, That's that's an interesting question. Um. Well, it's not a simple yes or no, no, question, no, no answer. No, no, no. Um, well, something that immediately comes to mind. Um, so this interaction between culture and art. Um, so, um, as you probably know, um, a lot of art, especially older art, is r- religion related. So, um, lots, lots of the most famous um, classical Italian art is all like you know Jesus on a cross, or the um, Virgin Mary. Mm. And you can probably, if I tell you, think of Hindu art, you probably think of you know those statues of mm. like um, with lots of hands, yep. you know like uh, or like Ganesh, etc. And there's Buddhist art, you can think of the monks, for example. Something really interesting is in um, Islamic art. If I tell you Islamic art, what do you think of? Mm.
0: Mm, To me, do you mind if I answer it before you, Saban? Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) um, So, to me, when I think of Islamic art, possibly like calligraphy, a lot of like um, Mm,
2: definitely. What do you think, Saban?
1: Yeah, calligraphy is always one that is, I guess, has a strong identity with Islam, especially you know the Arabic, Quranic calligraphy and whatnot. Another aspect that I see a lot in Islamic art is a lot just with shapes and geometry mm-hmm, um, and architecture. So at least that's just from my experience, just seeing it around. Because if you think about like you know the Ottoman Empires and stuff, there's you know some of the architecture done in those days and stuff. It was extremely mm-hmm. artistic in every way, and even just down to various geometry and stuff. I guess, just simply you know with algebra and stuff like that being rooted from you know Islamic backgrounds or you you know, by Islamic scholars back, back, you know, however long ago, I guess it just kind of makes sense, especially with, and then the whole aspect of astronomy and everything, Mm. I guess that in itself is an art to an extent, so that's kind of my take on it.
2: Mm, I agree, and the calligraphy, the shapes and design, putting maps into it, that's a massive part of Islamic art, and it's beautiful, but um, we we noticed that, um, we didn't really talk about representation, like people, and there's a reason for that. There's a reason that, um, uh, it's you know why, about, um, that um Calligraphy yeah. and such is so prominent, yeah?
1: Well, yeah, because, well, I assume you're going to say that, well, we can't draw people. So um, there's, yeah, I'm not a scholar, obviously, in Islam. And uh, there are a lot of, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> a very big one. So obviously take everything I say with a pinch of salt. But I guess in general, um, at least from my understanding and whatnot, you're you're not allowed to you know do uh, figurative representation of things with souls, most importantly humans. So I guess that's why you know I guess you'd get a lot of the Islamic artists of the time going back onto the calligraphy or geometry and shapes or you know nature and landscape and more inanimate objects and art with that. Um, the reason for not being allowed to paintings or and stuff or representations of humans um, stems from the fact that obviously there are certain orations and proofs that kind of go behind it but the I guess the fundamental wisdom behind why you're not allowed to do that in Islam is because of the risk of going into idolatry um, and you know worship of something other than God which is you know haram by definition in in any way no matter how it kind of manifests uh you're just not allowed to do that it's you know the greatest sin so um that's why especially when it comes to prophets and whatnot that's why i was particularly well i guess that's kind of probably one of the main things it kind of stemmed from was you don't want to have images or kind of representations of prophets because you know people might you know unwillingly and then you know eventually will kind of lead on a slippery slope start worshipping that representation of them which is you know a particular thing within say uh hinduism say with the idols and stuff they have um similar in christianity where i I mean i I don't know too much about christianity but say with the trinity and jesus and whatnot and then you know jesus being partly worshipped as well as part of the trinity um so that was kind of a protection against that and you know to prevent kind of any risk against that I guess.
0: There was gonna be. Islam's Islam still found a way to produce art though. And, and like a, a complex um expression of art, just a lot like with the rules that they have.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> as you can see. Yeah, thank, thanks for um, such a detailed response upon Yeah, you definitely more know more about this aspect than I do. Um but yeah, so that's a good, good example for you, Dan, when you ask about the way um society and art intersects um so, within that whole society, it was essentially kind of forbidden to do representational art. And another reason that I read, I'm not sure if this is right or not, but I read that the reason that it was banned is because, you know, um, um, creating images and representations, that's meant to be the job of God and God alone. Um, no one else is supposed to be allowed to do that. Or kind of, um, like, that's not our role um, in Islam. Um
1: I mean I haven't heard that specifically but it does make you know logical sense where say especially with humans uh, because you know we were crafted or designed in such a way if you know you're following certain theological beliefs that yeah you don't want to yeah I, I so okay this can start getting really weird and really deep so just, you know, manipulating self and our images, that's horror. That's why Muslims aren't allowed to get tattoos and whatnot. You're not allowed to do major, you know, surgeries just for beautification purposes. Obviously, if you want to get, you know, a rhinoplasty because you have a breathing problems, that's a different matter because it's a medical issue. But you can't just, or, you know, it's at least heavily frowned upon um, for just doing it for, you know, beautification and stuff because, you know, we believe we were, you know, produced in the most perfect way for ourselves. Um, and I guess say if you're doing a self portrait but you want to beautify yourself in a particular way now yeah you're you're now kind of putting your wants and your beliefs above god's right god wanted you to be in this mm-hmm. way so now you're now you're drawing yourself say if so self portrait oh i'm going to make my you know i'm going to make myself more muscly or want to make myself taller Now, I'm just kind of inflating my own, say, ego or self in terms of what I want. And what I want is more than what God has given me, right? So this is kind of going into a self-worship almost now. And then that's kind of a slippery slope you can kind of get into. Um, But yeah, I guess that's a whole designer kind of thing. Uh, There's um, a graphical designer uh, called Chris Doe. And he he wears a hat where it says "God is God is a designer," and I I, I quite like that. And I, I guess it's true if you believe that God has made every single thing on, on this planet, then you know you very much is a designer. Um, but, but then yeah,
0: just really quickly, um, uh, that makes sense though, uh, and that, that makes sense to me with like making yourself seem taller or more muscular. You can change how God made you um, by putting yourself in art. But what if, for example, you were just um, a few hundred years ago? Uh, you just this probably sounds silly but you wanted to show a family member what your son looked like and say you're an incredible artist yourself what if Mm. you just did with the intention of making it completely realistic you painted your your son and then you showed it to that family member who never met him um, so they could see what he looked like but as I said you didn't you were really good at hyper realistic art and yeah Mm. you didn't exaggerate (laughs) any of any aspect of his (laughs) appearance yeah what what would you say about that just okay. in your opinion, yeah, so not yeah, yeah. not applying it to the religion, but in your opinion.
1: Yeah, the thing is, I try to keep my opinions within the lining right. of, of the religion. So, OK, so this get, becomes into it like it starts getting into grey areas and stuff. And obviously, again, I'm not a scholar. So mm. what I'm saying is just from my kind of logical reasoning in terms of what I think would be you know logical within the religion. I would still refrain from it. And I guess it was still forbidden anyway. Um, the reason for that being is that no matter, I guess, if you're doing it hand painting, like... N- there is only so much detail and only so exact as to how you can make it. Even if you are, you know, super hyper-realistic, there's still gonna be some kind of individuality presented within that. Because if you take two hyper-realistic artists, they won't produce the exact same thing. But this is where the slight difference comes in, where, you know, photography and portraits, like portrait photography is allowed Mm. because it's, you know, scientifically an exact, an exact capture of what you are seeing um now obviously if you start going in and photoshopping everything i was about to ask that yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Now, now you're just kind of defeating that whole purpose um islam is very against you know vanity and that kind of stuff in general so you know that so yeah now, now there are other things where okay so you can take a photo of someone and because it's an exact capture. And if you leave it like that, then that can be used for, you know, references and stuff, references as in, you know, uh, oh, this is what, you know, my great grandchild looked like or or something. (laughs) Um, If it was a photo and and that's, you know, fine. Some scholars still do argue that that is still not allowed. Now, obviously, there's a difference of opinion here. So, yeah. Um, And I guess there's a bigger issue where hanging even photos of people on a wall is still that that's still a great area as well. There are differences of, differences of opinion there as well. Um, some say you can, some say you can't. Um, again, uh, the the kind of wisdom behind. Well, so there's a narration saying where if there is a house. This isn't word for word, but it's along these kind of lines. Where um, I'll, I'll I'll reference the actual narration in the show notes. Basically saying, oh, an angel won't enter the house, it, it, and. Angels won't enter a house where there are, um, you know, paintings or images of people um, and dogs as well. So obviously dogs is a different topic altogether. Um, <laughs> but yeah, again, I guess it's kind of a, so it's like a precautionary step to prevent any kind of idolatry, even if it's un, un, unintentional at first. If you hang a particular person on a wall, maybe it's just, you know, someone who means a lot to you. It could lead to stuff obviously it depends but i guess it's better to be safe safer than sorry so um yeah that, that's kind of the take on it to a certain extent mm.
2: and maybe that kind of environment like that attitude towards art maybe that's the reason for the way you interpret art today and maybe why you're more open to photography but i don't want to get freudian or anything <laughs> but yeah it's
1: so interesting isn't it um, mm. is
2: it um it is. yeah i, I yeah. think
1: that so i mean i've never really looked at it at uh, in that kind of way, or maybe, maybe that probably has shaped how I kind of look at art. I, but The thing is, in terms of the Islamic aspect, I never really put that into my kind of field of vision until a few years ago, like three, four years ago. Before that, I just didn't really, you know, have much knowledge about it and whatnot. And back then I didn't really, you know, think too much of art in general, although I did think a lot about photography. But even then, a lot of my, you know, what I find aesthetically pleasing, you know, is just a lot of geometry and yeah. mm. shapes. Like, especially like, you know, have you ever seen like Kufi style uh, Arabic calligraphy? It's very like blocky and geometric and mm. stuff, rather than the you know classic fluid type. I really like that, even though I cannot read it whatsoever. <laughs> You've it, always it just... liked
0: that sort of stuff for years, though. I would yeah, say. I have. Even at school, yeah. you liked it always.
1: Yeah, I I don't know why I've always liked that kind of geometry. Whether it's just because, well, I mean, it probably has partly to do with my upbringing and whatnot. It's not that I've never seen portraits or anything, or never been, you know, or been shunned away from seeing portraits and stuff. But I guess when I see things of like, you know, certain, you know, you know, everyone likes a sunset photo, but yeah, I guess when it comes to like I guess you will see on my Instagram and see when I take photos of build. I really like taking photo, photos of buildings, just because of Ooh. the geometry. Self involved in looking at it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. At some um, <laughs> <laughs> Links in the show notes. So, yeah, I, I really like taking photos of buildings from really, really weird geometric angles, or even just really simple buildings from angles you wouldn't usually see. It I don't know. It, it just suits my mm. brain. I guess I do enjoy it. That, that makes and, sense. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Another takeaway from what we were just talking about, it's a bit silly, but um, I guess in some ways um, 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 in Islam they almost interpret you know, if you do a certain sort of kind of art like you're playing God, um, it's quite interesting to think about. Every time you sit down and you draw a face or if you um, generate something or manipulate images in such a way that isn't realistic, in a way I guess you are playing God, you're creating something that's never been there before. Mm. Um, yeah, that's true to um, make a few of my friends who are in art school a bit, <laughs> feel a bit better about themselves. <laughs> um, okay, um, another thing I thought of, I should have mentioned while we we're talking about the effect beauty has on kind of your health, your cognition and your mood, is um, there's a really interesting field in medicine um, about art therapy. And so now this isn't just kind of experiencing art around you, it's physically doing it, like painting or doing music. So we're finding out, there's been more and more studies about art therapy and its effects on people who are ill. And we find that reliably, um, in even randomised trials, so like the gold standard, we find that art often reliably improves mood, improves cognition in um, patients with diseases like schizophrenia, with depression. It even helps improve pain in patients with dementia. Um, there is such something so powerful about it. and That's the field I'm really interested in.
0: I remember working in a nursing home And um, sometimes uh, about 80 to 90 percent of the residents had dementia. And um, every week on a Thursday afternoon, they would sit down. People who wanted to would come downstairs and sit down and draw. And almost every single time they would leave the room in a better mood and um, in a better state than when they came in. I know that's completely anecdotal, but yeah, that's That's really that's really interesting.
2: It's true. Again, ties in, I guess the main message that I keep talking about during this podcast is just, you know, how in some ways innate it is. And no matter if it's subconsciously or consciously, um, it's, yeah. Um so that leads into maybe the final quote I want to say. Um, I don't know where it's from. I just saw it somewhere years ago. So the quote is, art is, and that's it. Art is. Is. Um, <laughs> yeah. So as long as we exist there will also be art um, and you know, there's, there's, it will always be there from tens of thousands of years ago in caveman paintings to, to today, you see it in museums, you see it, it's just, it's just everywhere and so I think, I think everyone um, um, should you know, explore it, or they'll be missing out of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> do you think it's you think it's something everyone should take the time to do? Well, I was
2: a bit of a strong word, not should. Um also, at the same time, I don't think it's really your choice in because we we know how um, prevalent art is every day around us. Even if you don't want to, you're actively engaging in it. And um, whenever you see like um, even a sign in the underground, they've all been meticulously designed for both aesthetic reason and for utilit- utilitarian reasons. And um, whatever clothes you wear and um, um, some artistic thought has gone into it. Um, so you'll be interacting with it, whether you like it or not. Ah, uh, I get but, what you mean. But you can choose to try to form a deeper connection to it, okay. which almost certainly anyone is capable of, as we've talked about.
0: Because every decision you make, you're expressing yourself, and then it affects how other people perceive you. I, I do get what you mean, I think. Even like how you're dressing, you, you are making a statement, whatever you do. Is that right? or?
2: Um. Well, I guess there's one way you can look at it. Um... um What I mean is kind of, um, it's not just the act of doing, you don't have to do more art, that's not what I'm saying, but kind of um, opening yourself to be able to have more of a connection to it, whether it leads to you doing it or not.
0: Do you think anyone can form a deep connection with art or do you think there are people who um, literally you you don't think they would ever form a deep connection with it? Do you think if someone's exposed to enough of it and the right art for them, they could form a deep connection with it? I
2: would say 100%. Mm. As long as your brain isn't abnormal, as long as you have you know the visual cortex, as long as you have the emotion part, you know the limbic lobe, etc. As long as you have that, and there is, because the tools are there
0: Mm. and the hard drive
1: is there. Last time
0: I checked, Mm. I do have a visual cortex, so that means (laughs) you're seeing (laughs) me right now. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So, what if there's a person who's blind since birth, but then obviously they can visually see with touch and stuff.
2: Mm, That's a great question. Mm. I mean, I didn't
1: really ask a question, but yeah, I was implying a question. Yeah. What happens then?
2: <laughs> That's really interesting. That makes me think of um, something, something else I learned a few years ago. Um, basically, I just I was wondering whether blind people dream, people who are blind dream. Mm. And so I looked it up and apparently, if you have been blind since birth, then you don't dream in, um, in things you see, you dream in voices. So you don't dream of seeing anything. But if you've been blind after some time, you know, so halfway through life, mm. then you do see in your dreams. So I guess maybe for um, people who are blind, um, again, you know, art doesn't just have to be visual. For them, art s- serves the same thing, but maybe musically, maybe by touch, yeah. as you said.
1: Mm. Mm. Have you the, Have you read the book called The Aesthetic Brain?
2: No, I have not. But by, I think... Um, I've seen it in, like, water stands. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I mean, I haven't read it either. (laughs) I was asking if you've read it just in case. Um, So the author, Anjan Chatterjee, Chatterjee, I think, um, he did a TED Talk a few years ago about, you know, brain anesthetics and stuff. And... I. Basically since then I, I put the book on my reading list. But I haven't got around to reading it yet. But now I do really want to read it really soon. And mm. it goes on about, you know, why we find certain things really nice. And you know, I guess there are some things that are universally people just like, ah, oh, nice. <laughs> like, it's just nice, like yes, aesthetically definitely. pleasing. Um why do no language is. to it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's a language in itself. Mm. Mm. and you know why people have just been doing it for so long why we find you know certain faces beautiful some you know not so even on a somewhat universal scale you know how is it that you know despite developing in different countries or you know different places of the world different experiences different landscapes we still kind of almost have this innate uh you know unified appreciation for things like symmetry certain aesthetics certain even sounds and you know like Certain sounds are just really satisfying, or just certain clicks. Everyone seems to have that kind of innate stuff, and I think the book kind of goes into that. So, you might find it quite interesting. I mean, mm, hopefully, I will as well, but yeah, just yeah. a recommendation, even though I haven't read it.
0: <laughs> and something, something I'm definitely going to take from this episode, um, I'm going to take more time to learn a little bit more about a few different artists and maybe a few different areas of art. And then that last quote, um, you mentioned, I really like that. I don't, I will think about it a bit later on, but um. I think that's a really nice quote. Art is. Art is. Art is. Art is. Okay. And you can
2: add anything you want to the end of it mm. and it wouldn't be wrong.
0: Mm. I'm going to keep repeating it to myself in my sleep. <laughs> okay. Uh, Art I? is. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you very, very much for that, Jerry. Um, no worries. Very insightful. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Subhan?
1: No. No, I think it was a pretty interesting discussion overall. Mm.
0: Yeah, and, and, and again, just uh, thank you for coming on, Jerry. No worries. I yeah, really appreciate it.
2: Yeah, nice to talk to you. Both of you. Ah,
0: thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, with that, I guess we can leave it. We always end our episodes in the same way. You mentioned you don't um, sometimes watch our episodes completely, so um, we'll both uh, do our typical exit, and then you can exit as well. So uh, thank you very much, uh, and uh, peace. Oh, yeah, just peace. really quickly. Oh, um, oh, oh. sorry. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. Sorry, man. Um, okay, well, I've already over. pieced, I'm so, so you can continue if you'd like. Um,
2: yeah, just because I talk so much about art, but um, maybe... Um, I think someone might be interested in the kind of art I do. So I specifically love people. I love drawing people. Um, so, um, yeah, um, Islam wouldn't be too happy <laughs> about yeah, that, no, maybe. I love issue. people. Um, yeah, if you guys want to check it out, um, I'm, I'm not doing it too much recently, but um, I have a little Instagram, mm. um, jerry.yi.art. Um, so, yeah, if you're interested. Um, I'm not professional or anything, but I do very much like it.
0: Mm. Cool.
1: And we'll link it down in the show notes as well. Nice
0: okay i'll I'll, I'll give this one more go okay all right take Um, two take two thank you very much jerry everyone don't forget to check out jerry's instagram if you're interested um and with that i leave it with a peace peace peace
1: yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, Nice.
0: (laughs) thank you for listening
1: to this episode of getting it
0: if you enjoyed this episode or didn't then feel free to leave us a rating and review on the apple podcasts app or on the apple podcasts website We'd love
1: to hear your thoughts, ideas, or questions about anything we discussed. So feel free to email us at thoughts at
0: You can also reach us on Twitter or Instagram at gettingit_pod.
1: You can find all the links in the show notes.